Five Canadians who had missed their repatriation flights in April are on their way home. Will the AFN go through with an audit proposed by Roseanne Archibald? How much did it cost for Canada to help try and find the missing Titanic sub? Several U.S. reps have been secretly engaging in diplomacy with Russia. And the U.N. warns that the disaster in Haiti is getting even worse. Good morning. It's Friday, July 7th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. First, do you remember that repatriation flight that happened in April from Syria that left without five women and girls who were supposed to be on it? CBC News' Darren Major is reporting that the two women and three teenagers are on their way to Canada. The April flight was supposed to repatriate 19 people, but only 14 were on board. They had been taken by Kurdish guards rather than being brought to their flight. The 19 had been held in Syrian detention camps for people suspected to have connections with ISIS. They were controlled by Kurdish forces in the north and east of the country. The government had agreed to repatriate the women and children, but refused to repatriate the men. A court ruled that Canada had a responsibility to repatriate the men as well, which was then overturned in May by three appeal court judges. Their lawyer, Lawrence Greensbaum, said that they will be appealing that decision to the Supreme Court. When the women first came home in April, they were immediately arrested on terror charges and were released on terrorism peace bonds. It's possible that the same thing will happen to the two women who are on this flight. Next, to the Assembly of First Nations, which has been dealing with quite a mess for the last couple of weeks. Roseanne Archibald was ousted as national chief last week. Archibald had alleged that the AFN spent about $2 million on lawyers and investigations to oust her. CBC independently verified the documents that suggested that she had been the subject of a campaign to be ousted since 2021, though they couldn't independently verify that it cost $2 million. Archibald had moved to conduct a forensic audit within the AFN, but no work had happened on that since July 2022. Now, the AFN has a national general meeting, and the big question looms, will the body agree to continue the forensic audit? Archibald calls her ousting a distraction from her attempt to try and clean up corruption in the organization. For many, many years, Archibald has been an activist. She's also been outspoken in her concerns about the AFN before she had been elected national chief. She also wasn't very close with Justin Trudeau, as many national chiefs have been. CBC's Brett Forrester has said that she called Trudeau a quote-unquote performative reconciliationist twice this past year. Forrester talked with Russ Diabo, who is Ganagahaga from Ganawage and a former advisor to Archibald. He thinks that it's clear that the AFN executive has been stalling on a financial probe. Diablo thinks that ousting Archibald is going to bother many band councils who also don't see the Liberals as allies. He said this, quote, you're probably going to find more and more band councils also getting fed up with the AFN being in lockstep with the Liberals, unquote. Next to a story that doesn't entirely matter, but it's worth noting. The RCAF, which is wholly funded by you and me, was out more than $2.4 million to join the search and rescue mission for the imploded Titanic submersible. 
That's right. A single Canadian aircraft was deployed and it cost $2.4 million. The CP-140 Aurora left Nova Scotia after hearing about the incident on the night of June 18th. Over three and a half days, crews did visual searches and dropped hundreds of sonobuoys, devices that can locate a sub. Here's how the Department of National Defense explains what a sonobuoy is. Quote, sono buoys are equipped with a detachable flotation device with an antenna enabling data relay back to the aircraft. The hydrophones submerge on a line attached to the flotation device and spool to an operator selected depth. CTV News' Daniel Otis reports that the submersible was probably in tiny little bits before the search even started. The mission started on the night of June 18th, while U.S. Navy sub-detecting acoustic systems reported an anomaly on the morning of June 18th. It's been believed that the implosion of the Titan was probably this anomaly. It costs nearly $30,000 per hour to operate the Aurora. Over the course of the search, it logged 82.5 hours of flight time. And the sono buoys may cost more than $1,300 each, pushing the total cost of the failed rescue mission to nearly $3 million. The Transportation Safety Board is investigating the Titan's implosion as the Titan operated alongside a Canadian flagged vessel. Many voices in the article argued that search and rescue is a priority and the costs are sorted out after. This flows from international law. CTV quoted Graham Newbold, a search and rescue expert, saying this, On the high seas, international maritime law, such as the United Nations Convention on the Law on the Sea, establishes obligations for nations regarding search and rescue at sea. According to the law of the sea, all states have a duty to render assistance to any person in distress at sea, regardless of nationality or status. This duty is primarily based on humanitarian grounds, unquote. Let's remember that the next time a ship pings for help in the Mediterranean and no country rushes to its rescue. Next, more news about the war in Ukraine, this time from NBC. They are reporting that a group of former U.S. national security officials held secret talks with prominent Russians to try and find pathways to negotiations that would end Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Russian Foreign Affairs Minister Sergei Lavrov met with the Americans for several hours in April in New York. Among the American officials were former diplomat and president of the Council on Foreign Relations Richard Haas and former White House and State Department officials. They also met with prominent Russians, including academics, think tanks and others who are involved in Russian foreign policy and who are known to be close enough to Putin to perhaps influence his thinking. None of the people who've been identified as being in these meetings responded to requests for comment from NBC. NBC's Josh Lederman reports this, quote, on the agenda were some of the thorniest issues in the war in Ukraine, like the fate of Russian held territory that Ukraine may never be able to liberate and the search for an elusive diplomatic off ramp that could be tolerable to both sides, unquote. The Biden administration was aware of the discussions, though they were not directing them. The Americans are hardly only doing this with Ukraine. In May, CIA Director William Burns had a secret trip to Kiev quote, about the prospect of pushing Moscow into peace talks by year end, unquote. NBC asked Ukraine's President Zelensky about the meetings, and an official in his office said this, quote, our position is unchanged. The fate of Ukraine cannot be decided without Ukraine. Many times the president and all our official speakers spoke about it, not anonymously, but quite specifically and publicly, unquote. NATO leaders will meet in Lithuania next week. All signs point to NATO saying that they are not yet ready to admit Ukraine into NATO. The article quotes Matt Dimmick, who is a former Russian and Eastern Europe director of the National Security Council, who warned that this kind of diplomacy may undercut Ukraine's leverage. He said this, 
Ukraine doesn't need and want intermediaries to start coming in and crafting ceasefire solutions and then enticing Europe and the U.S. to elbow Ukraine in that direction. Ukraine realizes their path to a secure future is driving right through Russian defenses and leaving Russia no choice but to come up with their own way out of Ukraine, unquote. The article doesn't quote Dimmick explaining how exactly that is going to happen. And finally, France 24 is reporting that the UN has called for an intervention plan to stabilize Haiti. Vigilante groups are taking the law into their own hands, killing gang members. Gangs have been terrorizing Haitians for months now as the country deals with crisis on top of crisis. The UN office in Haiti has said that they've documented the killing of at least 264 alleged gang members. Haiti's Minister for External Cooperation, Ricard Pierre, warned that there was a high risk of civil war in Haiti without foreign intervention. Antony Blinken at the CARICOM summit said that the U.S. was looking for a country that would be willing to lead the intervention, as in it will not be led by the U.S. China has called for an arms embargo to Haiti, arguing that if there's no way to stop arms from reaching the wrong hands, then any attempt at stabilization will be futile. 5.2 million people in Haiti are in need of humanitarian assistance. That's about half of the entire population. Those are your headlines for Friday, July 7th. You're listening to Sandy Nora at sandynora.com, at the Real News Podcast Network, and syndicated on campus stations across Canada. I'm Nora, and I hope you have a wonderful Friday and a wonderful weekend. Stay cool and out of the heat if you can. I have to admit, I'm recording this while I am dying of heat. We have hit extreme heat waves, not just in parts of Canada, but around the world. And we all know that, of course, there will be new records broken, probably even this summer. So stay cool, stay together, and I'll talk to you on Monday.